actually it is true that it is all on you so the sooner you accept that the sooner you'll be set free but it is extremely difficult and I'm saying that from personal experience to to do that is really really hard uh, but totally totally worth it if, if you if you can get there Welcome back to Let's Start the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here listening. Today, we have a guest interview with the wonderful Katie of This Sober Girl. I first found her account, I don't know, maybe five months ago, and just started to, I don't know, be interested by it, you know? I am someone... Where today we were talking about alcohol and sobriety and building self-awareness and all of that. And as I have shared quite openly <laughs> uh, via the pod and Instagram, I never really drank much growing up, started drinking when I moved here to Austin, definitely realized, you know, it's not always, you know, the right choice for me just because of the way it impacts my mental health. But nevertheless, I'm a moderate drinker. I'll drink, you know, if there's an occasion, if I want to. Um, I definitely feel like I have a good relationship with it, but I'm always curious to understand more about things that so many others do struggle with. Like I know people in my life that, I don't know, maybe if they looked at their relationship to alcohol a bit more, they might discover something or, you know, even for myself, when there are times where I'm choosing alcohol for reasons that aren't really aligned with my morals. And I don't know, at the end of the day, I just, I'm always fascinated by, different aspects of life that we all go through in different ways. And so I wanted to have this conversation with Katie. Uh, She is just such a star um, with her account, uh, This Sober Girl. She just, girl, sorry. So when I was in, side note, when I was a kid, I was in speech therapy for my R's. So I used to say girl is like gal, gal. I don't even know how. Anywho, she is just phenomenal. Uh, The information, the messages, just like the content she creates overall is just very digestible and I don't know it's just for me right I'm not someone that is going sober or struggles with alcoholism or anything like that but it is the welcome reminder I need every now and then about like what is my relationship to alcohol you know do I feel like I need it to have a successful night out do I feel like I need it in xyz situation how does it make me feel how do I feel about it things like that and so I just really hope that today's conversation does that for you it opens your mind gets you thinking about things and I think it really is a well-rounded conversation because even as I said if you're not in Katie's shoes maybe you're more like me and you're a moderate drinker or whatever it is we talk about a lot you know whether that's navigating social interactions uh, if you're choosing not to drink or if you're choosing to drink less how to have open communication with those in your life anxiety depression caring for your mental health in the midst of everything else going on, coping mechanisms and how so often we fall to alcohol for that. Uh, What else is there? There's just so much. And so I really think that, oh, self-awareness, you know, kind of knowing your limits and knowing, knowing what you need. So there's a lot in here for anyone and everyone, regardless of where you are with alcohol, or even if you don't consume alcohol, I think it's, This is a conversation that will just get you thinking about a lot of things. And so we love that. We love to expand the mind. (laughs) 
But I hope you give it a listen, and I hope you enjoy. If so, let us know. You can tag on Instagram, message us, leave a rate and review. These are all real easy, simple ways to support the show, to support uh, those of us who create content like this, and just to spread the word, you feel? So Katie is on the gram at This Sober Girl, linked below, and I'm on there at Emily Feichels, also linked below. So without further ado, let's dive into this convo. I'd love to just sort of wind it back a bit. Uh, before we dive into the meat of today's conversation and just really get an idea about like, when was alcohol first, like really introduced into your life? You know, like I, I kind of want to go back to the roots of where everything sort of started for you. And so that we can see like the, the buildup almost to where we are at today for you. Well, it's interesting, actually, because when I was really young, I always said I will never drink alcohol. I was really scared of alcohol when I was growing up because my dad is an alcoholic and he's not drank for 32 years. So alcohol was never in my life growing up. Um, my parents, obviously my dad's sober, my mum's not a big drinker at all. So alcohol was never really in the house. It was never really at social occasions or anything like that. And when I was growing up, when I was about 13, um we just got told that my dad was allergic to alcohol which is the reason why he what he couldn't drink it like other friends at school parents would get drunk why was why would my parents not so it was just a question of that and my mum and dad told us that me my brother and my sister that my dad was allergic to alcohol which technically he is allergic to alcohol uh, but we, that was that so when I turned maybe like 15 16 I kind of started to realize I should grow up like um, I don't think I think there's more to that and then obviously we sort of got told whatever that he's an alcoholic so alcoholism sobriety alcohol has always been a really open conversation in our family and um, my brother is also sober he's now four years sober a lot of my cousins and my uncles are also sober a lot of our family friends are sober because my dad obviously can't be friends with like really heavy drinkers because that would just wouldn't make sense and mm. um, my dad a lot of his friends are in the fellowship like AA Alcoholics Anonymous so a lot of them are all sober so sobriety has always been an option that I was aware of but when I turned 16 17 and started drinking I just loved it like I loved drinking I thought it was so fun I was quite a shy kid and I went to a Catholic all-girls school in my teenage years so when I got to um, university and college so like sixth form I discovered like vodka and boys and it was just like whoa so fun but then and it was fun it was fun for years and I loved it and I was like you classic classic binge drinker party girl I worked in promotions I worked in nightlife I was a shot girl like selling shots in nightclubs I was a podium dancer in clubs and promoter and I absolutely loved it it was so fun and I do not regret it even to this day because I had such a good time but this is what I always say about my drinking like it was really 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 fun until it really really wasn't and it was in those years that I started to like be a bit more reckless with my drinking like really irresponsible I would get just like blackout drunk not remember anything I remember once I woke up in this girl's bed uh, and I was just like I had no idea who she was and she was like you know you have this like toilet best friend 
Mm-hmm. Well, I met her in the toilet and she was like lovely. And thank God, like that could have been anybody. I couldn't get a taxi home. I was sat on the side of the road on my own. And she like scooped me up and let me stay at her, her house, which I was 22 at the time. And to put yourself in that situation that could have been potentially really, really dangerous. Um, it just gives me a shiver now to think about it. Like I was just really irresponsible. And one thing always led to the other. Like I never went out drinking with the expectation that I was going to get drunk. Like it all, I was never like, yeah, let's go out and get smashed. It just happened sort of like naturally by accident. And I think that's when I kind of started to realize that I had no control over my drinking because no matter how many times I promised myself I was only gonna have a few it never really happened in the beginning it did but then it's progressive so it just gets worse and so I was 20 when I very first thought "Mm, I think there's something wrong here because also I would get really bad hangovers like my friends would have a couple of paracetamol pint of water and a McDonald's and they'd be over it but mine would linger for days like really bad anxiety depression and it just started to really affect my mental health which then seeps into things like your self-worth and stuff like that so I was 20 when I first thought oh I think I need to take a break and actually what scared me when I did that is that I found it so difficult like I couldn't even go a week without having a drink like it was just so ingrained in my definition of socializing that I was just terrified to do it without it. So then it was, you know, um, four years of like on and off with trying sobriety. Um, and that's when I really started to like open my eyes to what sobriety actually is. So yeah, sorry, that was a really long answer. <laughs> oh no, I mean that that was perfect. And it, it really gave us like a, a good you know, view of how things progress. And so thank you for sharing that. And I, I am curious, kind of going back towards when things were starting because of your family's, you know, sort of interaction with alcoholism and everything overall, did you, did they know you were drinking when you started or was that something you felt like you had to keep hidden from, especially your dad, um, even like in those beginning years. And then especially when, you know, you reached your twenties, and even you knew like, oh, something's not quite right here. Like, was there any a time when you were keeping things hidden? Was it always out in the open? I'm just curious how that dynamic played out, like with a with your family involved as well. Yeah. So initially when I first started drinking, no, it was not a secret at all because it was it's so normalized, isn't it? When you're in your teenage years, like to experiment with drinking and stuff. And I was, you know, I'm really grateful to my parents because they never, ever tried to stop me because they wouldn't have stopped me even if they tried to stop me they wouldn't have so they knew that and they never tried to stop me when I was like 17 because obviously in the UK the legal drinking age is 18 when I was 17 I was drinking most people pretty much everyone does that in the UK obviously drinks under legal age so I started drinking at like 16 17 my parents would go to the shop for me and buy me wine to go to a house party like it was just normal to do that and maybe to some people that's sort of like enabling it but if if they hadn't have done that I would have found a way to do that anyway so they would they are they were and still are very much of the opinion that whatever they let me do whatever I want because then in turn I tell them the truth 
-hmm. And if they hadn't have done that, I would have just done exactly the same, but lied to them. And then I'm in an unsafe situation because if anything had gone wrong, I would have felt like, oh, I can't call them. Like the amount of times, Emily, that I was in trouble and I would call my mum at 3 a.m., like so pissed, but like at least she knew. And I feel bad for my parents now, actually, in hindsight, because they must have been terrified because some of the they knew that I was getting like blackout drunk they knew I worked in nightlife there was a couple of situations that were like kind of close calls for me in terms of like my safety um when I was drinking and they obviously knew all of that so it must have been hard for them but you can't and this is what I say on my Instagram quite often is you can't force somebody to stop drinking it's up to them and one day like by the grace of God if somebody thinks they've got a problem they will stop unfortunately for some people and really sadly it doesn't happen for them for whatever reason as much as they may want to stop there's lots of factors as to why people maybe feel like they can't but for me I was extremely lucky to have my dad and my other family friends and my other family members as like a beacon of sobriety and a beacon of hope that you can get and live sober at a relatively young age my dad stopped drinking when he was 27 he tried to stop since he was 20 so he had seven years of going back and forth back and forth I had four years of going back and forth back and forth and it's exhausting um and it's really really hard but I think having them just knowing that they were always there for me was really really helpful they just wanted the best for me and they still just want the best for me and um I think that we have, even throughout my drinking, we have always had a really open relationship. So they've just been supportive regardless. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I I was curious because I had an aunt who very similarly with her daughter, she reacted or she she lived in the same way it sounds like your parents did. And it was a very open sort of communicative experience. And hearing my cousin talk about how different that made her feel versus you know, I had friends who had to hide all their drinking and all their things from their parents. And it almost enabled it, you know, like they, like you said, it almost like pushed them to do it more or they just yeah. had to find like kind of risky situations to get the alcohol or to go to certain places and events to have this experience. And so I, I've always thought that, you know, like as a parent, I would hope to be kind of of that mindset as well, because I think that is such like a great way to breed that, you know, like trust and communication, um, and just really like be there to support you. And I also think it's neat. I, you know, I I haven't had my own experience with alcoholism or anything, but I have struggled with, um, an eating disorder and disordered eating for 10, 11 years now. And it's kind of, I've always thought of it. And the way you just said it is so beautiful. Like you can't force that change on anybody. Right. And I've had my own sprees of parents and aunts and uncles trying to force recovery on me never worked Mm -hmm. well. What's worked the best has been probably similar to your four years of going back and forth. Mm -hmm. For me, it's been the past four or five years of me on my own going back and forth in terms of recovery. And that's when I've had the most growth and like forward progress, you know, like you have to, Mm -hmm. it has to be like change from within and from within. It really does. Yeah. You know, and even like your mentality towards it. And I think that's like, it's hard and that's not a bandaid fix, but like, so many aspects of life, whether it's like dealing with anxiety, depression, drinking, disordered eating, other things, like so much has to come from within. And I don't know, sometimes that's not the answer people want to hear, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's because it puts the, it puts the sort of onus on you. 
like and that's scary for some people for some people they think yeah that's really empowering and I can make the decision for my life and I only I am getting in my way of happiness which is empowering for some people but for other people you know they're in that headspace sadly where they continue to play the blame game and they'll blame other people for their drinking or the, whatever recovery they're in that the, whatever recovery journey they're on they'll blame other people but actually it is true that it is all on you so the sooner you accept that the sooner you'll be set free but it is extremely difficult and I'm saying that from personal experience to to do that is really really hard uh, but totally totally worth it if, if you if you can get there yeah yeah and I think you know that being said it, it does also the people in your life do you know play a part or at least like the influence part of it and I was going to ask you how the people in your life sort of, you know, played a role, whether they ate it or instigated it. Definitely sounds like your family was a supportive, you know, sort of like there for you without it, you know, throughout it phrase. But when it came to like friends, you know, and working in nightlife and having like those associates and the people you spend so much time with, like we all know how strong those work slash friendship bonds can be. I'm just curious, like when you did start to kind of be in that back and forth phase, you definitely knew like there was an issue, you wanted to change, you wanted to quit drinking. How was like friendships for you? You know, did you have people you could rely on in that sense? Or were they, you know, kind of like, still trying to get you to go out and drink? I'm just I think that can be such a tricky part to navigate for people in this sense. So I'd love to hear like how you how you got through that essentially. Yeah, so when I was working in nightlife, I was 2021 20, 20 no I was no sorry when I was working in nightlife I was 18 19 20 um and once I'd got to 20 things started to really the drinking really started to negatively affect my mental health I actually stopped working in nightlife that year because I left well I left university I graduated university so I left and came back to my hometown and you know I don't live in a big city I live in a little town so there was no nightclubs obviously whatever so I sort of did my stint in nightclubs when I was drinking when drinking was still okay Mm -hmm. it was more so when I left university and came back home I thought well I'm not a student anymore now I'm going to grow up I'm going to get a job and be an adult and my drinking won't be as crazy but actually the opposite happened because like I said earlier on it's progressive so it just gets worse and it was actually after uni weirdly that it all went really wrong um so in terms of my friendships at that point in my life the, the people that were around me that were my friends were like my childhood friends who all lived in my town so we all went off to university and then we all came back for a little bit and then some of them went off to different cities and like moved to London and stuff like that, like the big city. Um, and I stayed at home. The girls I was friends with at the time, they were my, like I say, they were my childhood friends. They'd known me through school, through drinking, through, you know, all of it. And so they'd seen the sort of states that I'd got myself in. Certainly the people that were closest to me at that time saw how badly it was affecting me me and my mental health and they'd also seen how disastrous my nights out could have been because I was a binge drinker there was no chill it wasn't like having a couple of glasses of wine on a Wednesday night at home and falling asleep on the sofa because you're so drunk it was like chaos on nights out binge drinking bottomless brunches pre-drinks like I don't know what you call that in America but like pre-gaming or whatever yeah yeah yeah. 
um, that was what what I was doing. So I would get myself into a mess. I would embarrass myself, fight with people, like cry for no reason, fall over, cut myself, like hurt myself. And then the next day wake up and be like literally licking my wounds mentally and physically and be sobbing. And then they'd have to sort of like all rally around me and look after me. So when I said to them, I'm stopping drinking, they were actually really supportive because they'd seen was how much it was ruining my life basically not to sound dramatic but it really was ruining my life so they were actually really really supportive and I will always be forever grateful for them for that I will always think fondly of them for that sense there was obviously a couple of people that you know say oh just have one and like loosen up don't be boring but I they had also seen that I had tried for four years to do it and there is an element of, oh, here we go again. She's stopping drinking a Sunday morning. I'm never drinking again. Like I said that every weekend. And, you know, surely, naturally, people do think, oh, God, here we go again. But I think the people closest to me uh, at the time were extremely supportive. And also my family, like you can't you can't look at my family and then look at me and wonder, oh, I wonder why she's stopping drinking. Like so many people in my family are alcoholics so it's kind of you can't ignore the fact that that is there so when I'm saying to my friends I think I have a problem with alcohol they're like "Mm, yeah okay maybe you do because it's there in black and white that maybe you do so they were really supportive but I think in terms of advice for other people uh, it would just be to be brutally honest with yourself and your friends because there were times And there will be times for people where you think, oh, I'm going to just dilute the truth because you don't want to come across like dramatic or like you're being hard work. But you do have to be honest because otherwise people just won't believe you. You you have to say and explain to people, I really, really, really want to stop drinking because it's ruining my life because of X, Y, Z. Or I really feel like I'm going to better myself for this. I would love your support. And if you don't support me, then we can't hang out together anymore because you have to prioritize your sobriety and there are certain people in my life that I know that were in my life then that aren't in my life anymore because they were too tied to my drinking I couldn't I couldn't move on it was like having it was like a rubber band and you're like trying your best to move away from that life but you just can't you have to let go and it's hard and it's painful it's scary but it is necessary because Otherwise, it'll just keep pulling you back into those old habits. And that's exactly what happened to me. And that's actually why I think it took me four years to get rid of that old identity because I kept holding on. So, um, so yeah, sorry, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no, that was, that was perfect. And it did. And I, I, I really like that, you know, viewpoint and perspective on it as well. And it, you know, even had me thinking as well, right? So I'm someone, I, this is why I like this conversation because we have, you know, like your experience with it. And then I'm coming with it as well as someone who's just like a moderate drinker. You know what I mean? Like I, I go out every now and then I'll have a few drinks, but there was a time span in which I just, I just wanted to go like, you know, whether it was just a month or whatever, without even having like a drink here or there, but because I don't have any like real, real issues with it, nobody was like taking it seriously. And they didn't know that the reason why I was doing that is because even like a few drinks for me, um, the next day I get very, I can get very depressed and very anxious. And even if it's just one or two days, I don't want to feel like that. Right. And so 
me just saying like, oh, I'm not drinking tonight or, oh, I don't want to drink. Nobody was, you know, taking it seriously in that sense because they're like, oh, you don't have it. You know what I mean? And I don't have yeah. it, but still like, it's my choice if I don't want to drink. And we just live in such a culture and world and society that it's, you know, almost normal to sort of like egg someone on and be like, oh, just one or yeah, whatever it is. And regardless of whether you have like a real issue with it or whether you don't, it's your choice at the end of the day, night, if you don't want to drink. And sometimes it does take being honest. And it took me telling my friends, like, I'm not, I'm not fucking drinking tonight. Like I, I have long week at work and even a few drinks can make me depressed and anxious very much. So to the point where I don't think I can even work and I don't want to talk to anybody. And I shut down, you know, entirely. And I, I sort of spiral and I don't know. I think it is curious, as you said that, you know, um, just the conversations you might need to have with people, even if you are really close with them, just to help them see like what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, what you're feeling. And, you know, it's not always easy, but I think it's probably saves you in the long run from having these like recurring experiences come up with those people in your life. I can imagine. Yeah. And also if people have a problem with it, like a persistent problem with it, I mean, Obviously, it's quite natural for people to say, oh, come on, just have one, whatever. Like you say, even if you're a moderate drinker and you're a normal drinker, you don't have a problem with alcohol. It's so deeply ingrained in our society that if you don't drink, you're boring for some reason. I have no idea. Alcohol made me boring. Like, I way prefer sober me. And my friends say that. They're like, alcohol dulls your personality. Like, we prefer you sober. Um but it's just like I said, so deeply ingrained in our society that people knee-jerk reaction is like, oh, come on, just have one. And I think it's interesting that you you have experienced that as a normal drinker, just shows that even more. So that it's just like it's almost habit for people to associate that. And it's years and years and years of conditioning and advertising and me- listening to music and songs about like alcohol and clubbing and like all that it's just so deeply ingrained even in like tv shows like sex in the city for example the cosmopolitan is so glamorized yet half of the cast don't drink yeah (laughs) but it's ridiculous but it's so like even you know like james bond um he's obviously you know shaken not stirred and all this like it's very like made to feel very like masculine and sexy to drink like whiskey on the rocks or whatever And he, Daniel Craig, who's obviously James Bond at the moment, um, he was just the face of the Heineken Zero campaign. And it's like amazing that shift in advertising because that, I mean, literally 10 years, five years ago, that would never have been a thing. Mm -hmm. That sobriety is now really being glamorized and and celebrated and like normalized for people. So that even people like yourself who are a normal drinker, hopefully in 10 years, 20 years time, people won't even bat an eyelid that you're ordering a Heineken Zero or you're not drinking or whatever. And I really, really hope that's the case. Similar to the stigma around like smoking and stuff. You know, 20 years ago, it was completely normal to smoke in the office at work. Can you even imagine if someone lit up a cigarette at work? Like it would just never happen. And so I feel that the sober movement, it's really coming on strong and I'm excited and grateful to obviously be a part of it all. so yeah, it's really exciting times, I think. Yeah, and I and I think, you know, as we're saying here, right, it's just like kind of moving forward, how, however ingrained you are when it comes to, you know, your alcohol consumption, just being able to live and be in, out in the world and, you know, not have those pressures or sayings or 
whatever it is to always be drinking or to always have the drink in hand, whatever it is. And I think, you know, whether it's you're trying to, you know, cut it out completely and be sober or whether you're just trying to build like a mindful connection to alcohol and truly know, like, do you actually want to drink tonight or are you feeling pressured to whatever it is? Like, I think it can overall just help build so much awareness and mindfulness with yourself. And you mentioned before how anxiety and depression were part of your entire experience with this. So I'd love to, if you're open, just discuss a bit on how that has shifted for you since making such a change in your life, you know, and since taking out probably what was an instigator for a lot of your anxiety and depression. Um, I'm just curious to see like how your mental health has shifted, improved, um, or what's been like a notable, notable sort of change for you in that sense. Yeah, so initially when I stopped drinking, I thought that if I stopped drinking, that would be the magical sort of solution to my mental health because towards the end of my drinking my mental health well it just didn't exist like I just did not have mental health it was like I just constantly felt anxious I constantly felt depressed I was on antidepressants but drinking and taking recreational drugs every weekend which just does not make sense and I was like I would read books on depression and then like sniff coke on weekends like it's just like does not add up at all um and so I just thought right well if I just get rid of all of that shit then I will hopefully reach some sort of equilibrium where I'll feel a bit more balanced and sane like I actually felt like I was going insane like because I got to the point as well where when I was drinking I'd get like really paranoid about stuff and like it was just it was just, yeah, it was just not a good place to be. It was really dark. And the, the scariest thing though, Emily, is like, it's so easy to say, isn't it? Like, oh yeah, I'm fine. How are you? Like people just didn't know that I was as bad as I was. Even my family and like closest friends, I think some of them now, they still think like, really? And I'm like, yeah, really? Like it was really that bad. And especially because from the outside looking in, like I had a boyfriend, I had a really good job. I just got promoted. I had a good car, like nice family, big group of friends, like, you know, all the materialistic things on top of that. Like from the outside looking in, you wouldn't think that I would, that I was literally dying inside. You wouldn't know. And so I just got very good at faking it, which is scary. So when I stopped drinking, I was like, right, let's lift the shit and like actually deal with what's going on. Give it six months. I'll feel fine. I wish it's been so, so hard to work through the mental health. And I know at the start of this podcast, when we were just talking sort of candidly, um, obviously I told you I've been struggling with my mental health recently and it's a journey, but I feel that in sobriety, the thing that sobriety gives you with regards to your mental health is the self-awareness, time and space to actually do something about it. Like when I would feel anxious when I was drinking, I'd just drink on it and then drink on it and drink on it. And it would just add fuel to fire, make things worse. And I just feel in total chaos all the time. I just wasn't in control of anything in my life at all. So through sobriety, although you feel your feelings a lot deeper, which sometimes is really, really, really hard, um, at least you're kind of working through them and you're aware of them. Like I always tell this story, but it's, I'll never forget it. When I first stopped drinking for the first time in my life, I, well, not first time, but first time from probably being six years old, I felt really embarrassed about something. And I hadn't felt that 
emotion since being a child and you know they say it's all about your inner child and like you do all that work in your inner child like I died like I honestly I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed in my bed for hours because I was just so mortified by this now I look back and I'm like god that was so tiny and I wouldn't even care if it happened now but at the time it was so brutal because I hadn't felt that feeling before so to be able to work through those is really uncomfortable at times really hard at times but like I just said before it's worth it though because you get to understand yourself more you understand your triggers you understand you learn different coping mechanisms healthy coping mechanisms yeah rather than just thinking oh fuck it I'll just go and drink a bottle of rosé that's not helpful to anybody and also although you may think it is relief or release it's not well it is but only for 20 minutes (laughs) and then everything comes back tenfold and you feel like you're drowning so at least in sobriety although it's hard and painful it's actually productive and you can actually work through things properly and healthily and then you come out stronger and better for it in the end but I think with mental health it's fun. like it just never goes away does it I feel that if you've got mental health I know if some people are like what's mental health I never feel anxious I'm like wow I wonder what that life is yeah. like I just don't relate to that yeah, like, at all. Please like, <laughs> yeah please tell me your secrets but I think you know I've accepted it will never go away at certain times in my life when usually for me my triggers are if there's a big change in my life I don't deal with change well at all makes me really anxious some people thrive on change I just don't um so change is a big one for me and like routine if I don't have my routine going all the time I just melt down (laughs) so for me but but when I was drinking I would never have known that I'd have just been like chaotic but now I know like, oh okay maybe I feel like this because of this or because of that and then I can implement things that will level me out a bit more so yeah yeah Yeah, I mean when you're like feeling and experiencing something fully and you're present for it and you're not relying on a distraction whether that distraction is alcohol or whether it's binge watching tv or whether it's binge eating or sex or whatever distraction you want to input in that sentence when you're not relying on those and instead you are present and feeling it all and experiencing it all, yeah, it fucking sucks and it's hard and it might feel like, will this ever end, blah, blah, blah. But what you do is like when that happens time and time again, as you said, like you identify the triggers and you figure out like what it actually is. You know what I mean? And same as you, I now know exactly what triggers my you know bigger episodes of anxiety, depression, panic attacks, et cetera. And so, you know, the, the more you experience it, the more you feel it truly. Yeah, it's hard, but also like it has to, you know, it has to happen at some point if you want to progress and move forward in life. And so it's, that's, you know, kind of what I like to share about and remind people because sometimes I need that reminder too, you know, like you can do it, get through it, you know, like let's work through it. Let's, like you said, find a health, like a more healthy mindful coping mechanism. Let's open up and talk about it. And I think I wanted to touch on that too, because you said, you know, nobody in your life really knew just how bad it was. And I think, you know, whatever you're experiencing or feeling, if it feels really hard and really bad, but outside you look put together, you look fine. I think those conversations can feel so hard because sometimes, at least from my experience, it's felt like if I share how bad it is and how like, just like in the shit I feel right now about everything and how really actually bad it is, people are going to try to fix me. And, you know, they're going to try to change me and give me all this advice and say all these things. And some people would do that, 
But other people, you know, and maybe these are the people you need to find or you need to have the open communication with is, look, this is what's actually happening. It's really bad. It might make you think like, oh my God, but I'm, I'm not asking you to fix me or change me or really even like offer too much advice. I just need to talk to somebody about it, you know, or I just need to feel supported or I just need somebody else to know what's going on. And so, I don't know, I'm just curious, like if you've ever kind of felt that way when it came to talking to people about these things, right? Like, oh, they're going to try to fix me or change me or tell me what to do when really all I want is somebody to listen and hear and hold space for me. Yeah, I think it's hard, isn't it? Because especially with things like mental health and alcoholism, people don't know what to say. So they say nothing. So sometimes it's almost like you get to a point where it's like bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up, bubbling up, and then it just like explodes and you like have a meltdown or a panic attack or like whatever it is. That's for me anyway. I would just hold it in because I didn't want to like come across like I was burdening anybody. And I also felt sometimes a bit embarrassed or like not worthy to feel the way I felt because on the outside I had everything. Mm-hmm. So I'd feel guilty, which again is a is a sort of symptom of depression is to constantly feel guilt and I or that was something I really struggled with like I would just feel like I was a massive pain or like a burden on like my family and friends so I would never say but then when it actually came out I would then feel not so much like I was worried that people would try and fix me I just actually felt embarrassed and like not worthy of feeling the way I did Mm. so It's interesting you say that because actually sometimes my default, and I don't know if this is just because this is my personality, but if any of my friends or family or whatever have a problem, I'm always like, right, let's solve it. I'm like a problem solver. I'm just like, but you're right, is that sometimes that's not the best thing to do. And I have to hold back myself sometimes and be like, if I were them, would I want someone to be shouting solutions at me? Absolutely not. Sometimes you just want to vent or cry or just like have a listening ear and just to say things out loud, unless it's like a problem shared as a problem halved. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I do know, I do know what you're talking about and I do relate to what you're saying, but sometimes I feel that actually it's like the shoes on the other foot. Like I'm the one trying to solve everything and that's just not helpful sometimes. So to just sort of take a step back and think, what would I want? I'd probably just want a cuddle and a cry and then forget about it and move on the next day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it can go both ways though, because you are Mm. right. Like there are times where, you know, whether the person it's in like the the addiction they're using or whatever it is, like you can, you know, there are times where people are definitely like kind of seeking advice. You want someone's input. And then, yeah, then there are the times where you just want to like vent and have someone hold space for you. And so I think I'm, I'm like you, where my default is to try to like help others problem solve, you know, like that's who I am, but I, I just kind of have like tried to learn over time to kind of like gauge the situation and their body language and the way they present what they're saying to figure out like, do they want my input? Yeah. <laughs> they just want me to sort of like, yeah, kind of like go along, you know, comfort them, whatever it is. Sometimes it's a little bit of both, but, and sometimes I give the wrong response, but, you know, I think it is just like at the end of the day, whether you're the person speaking and kind of like looking for that either comfort or advice or whether you're the person giving one or the other it is just sort of like a touch and go and seeing like what the situation arises but overall like I think just that essence of communication and like yeah and also it's true like 
sometimes when I do you know podcasts and stuff like this talk about sobriety and mental health and I don't ever want to come across as like someone who's got it all figured out because I really really don't and we're only human and we're really complex but I guess there's so many layers to all of this that it's really hard to give like one solid piece of advice that may help everyone because everyone is everyone's journey is personal everyone's journey is different but to and this is the main thing that's come out of my sobriety for me and I always say this is that the most important thing that you can have in regards to anything in life whatever you're recovering from is to have the self-awareness to like check yourself and be like okay I just like fell into my knee-jerk reaction and when my best friend was telling me how stressed she is I just barked orders at her for 10 minutes of what she should do and actually on reflection that wasn't the best thing to do maybe I'll just call her out and say hey just you know rectify the situation because if you don't and you just go through life never checking yourself then you never grow and learn and develop and be better so as much as I talk about like try and give advice on my page I just want to make it very clear that I am a complete work in progress I have no idea what I'm doing and I'm just completely winging life okay (laughs) no I love it and I think that's I'm drawn to people like that and that's you know part of the reason why I wanted to have you on is because I never want these episodes to be like here's the blueprint one two three steps to no fuck no I want to hear somebody's experience and like the multi-levels of experiences and emotions and everything because some part of that entire story and instance will connect with someone in so many different ways and then yeah it's just like overall about building self-awareness and those like check-in moments and everything in people so I just I'm so happy with how this conversation turned out and so you're just the best thank you (laughs) yay oh no thank you it's been lovely Oh my gosh, of course. And I'd love, um, because as I said, I just, I love following along and, you know, as people listening, I've mentioned multiple times, you know, this isn't something I struggle with too, too much when it comes to alcoholism or at all really, but these are important conversations and awareness to have if alcohol is in your life entirely or for the people in your life or whatever it is when it comes to anxiety, depression, et cetera. So where can people find you follow along, learn, be inspired? watch along the fun of life with you. Um, yeah, just share, share our socials, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you can find me on Instagram at this sober girl. Uh, I blog on there about sobriety and mental health and self-care. Um, and yeah, that's it. This sober girl. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so, so much.